Good morning, church. Shall we bow our heads again in prayer? Father, we thank you for truly you are here. You're here in your power. You're here in your might. You're here to do us good. All things are possible with you, and all things are possible in our lives today, whatever it is, because of the manifest presence of your anointing in this gathering today. Father, we joyfully and confidently expect, and certainly we will not leave here the way we came. We give you the praise, and we thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Our topic today is, who are you allowing to influence you? Who are you allowing to influence you? We take our text from Acts 17, 28. Acts 17, 28 says, For in him we live and move and exist. That is, in him we actually have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we also are his children. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our existence. The word live means make one's home in a particular place or with a particular person. That's what the word live means. And then to move means to go in a specified direction or manner. In not just anyhow, but in a specified direction or manner. So I believe we, the born again, are the ones who have made up our minds to go God's way the rest of our lives. If that's true about you, say amen. Amen. Then to exist means lifestyle. So Jesus' lifestyle has become ours. Now we are talking about who are you allowing to influence you? And I checked out the meaning of influence and it says the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself, the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect of it. It's important that we understand and remind yourself constantly that you are a child of God. You are not just anybody. Ephesians 2.19 says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household, which means this is where we feed, this is where we sleep, this is where we live, that's God's household. Having been built, that's if you have been built, that's the condition. That's why I said those who have made Jesus the Lord. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. That's the foundation of your life, your root. In whom the whole structure is joined together and it continues. So you can see it's a continuous something. And it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. 
sanctified, dedicated, set apart, sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him and in fellowship with one another, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Which means the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you keep growing as you keep fellowship in this, in the household of God, where you have now become a member. And that means that you are called to an uncommon life. Your life ceases to be ordinary. It's not just any kind of life. You are now special as far as you are a member of God's household. There is a sweet aroma around you. And there's a dignity that is implanted in you. You know who that dignity is? That's talking about Jesus Christ. It is his presence in your life that dignifies you. So whether you manifest that aura, that sweet aroma or not, depends on to the extent to which your mind is being renewed. And that's why we keep coming, hearing the word of God, so that we can keep on changing to allow that aura of that dignified person in us to manifest on the outside of our lives. The word holy means uncommon. It means to be set apart, to be different. So now when we are asked to live a holy life, it's not, it doesn't mean just live wearing a, a gown that touches your, your, your wrist and then you're not making up, you know, you live like somebody who drank a pap or something like that. <laughs> it means living with confidence and hope in Christ in a world filled with uncertainty and fear. It means walking in God's peace and stability in a world filled with turmoil and insecurity. I remember at one time, I thought it was just recently, that was uh, around April, one of my supervisors called me and said, Dorothy, there is something special about you. He really... It touched me. And then it started by, first of all, that same month, our admin, our four air forms. I don't know how they did that. I was out. And then when I came the next day, I saw beautiful bunch of flowers, roses on my desk. I said, who gave me this? And there was no name on it. And then someone, my neighbor told me, it was the admin. I said, admin for what? Hmm. I went to each one of them and I was thanking them. They said, Dorothy, you bring a very strong positive influence in this office. And we just gathered together and we are thinking what to do for you. Someone told us that April was your bad day. So we decided to, you know, to get that flower together. I little, I, I, I felt a little bit embarrassed and shy. I said, oh, admin, oh my goodness. But the Lord reminded me, it is the Lord, the dignified person in you that they are honoring. It's not you. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
and that humbled me. Whether you know it or not, as a child of God, that same dignified person is in you. His name is Jesus, the anointed one. He's the one that wants to manifest that glory, that sweet fragrance through your life. See, all those things, I remember the one time, you know, that was, I think, about three or four years ago when I was working on the third floor. We were given transportation allowance. And one customer said, I don't know you, but there is something about you. Don't join the others. This was somebody I didn't even know. And I remember some years back again, one other customer at the lobby said, this woman, there is something about you. I just can't pinpoint it. It's the same dignified person, no other person. Because the only explanation I could give is Christ in me. And you know when you're deviating, when that aura is not showing, you will lose your peace. Remember some time ago, I was telling you how some things were happening at my job, and I began to sulk. And the next thing I heard was, sulking, who suffers it? And that shook me. And I said, hmm, I said, I'm the one. The others were not even bothered. And I quickly repented. And since that day, I made up my mind, no way, I will keep here. God has assured us his children. He said, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. When he says nothing, it's absolutely nothing. That's Psalm 119 verse 165. Nothing but great peace. And that's why he told us you, that he will keep us, his children, in perfect peace so long as our minds are stayed on him. And he said, we should trust in the Lord forever. For in him, yeah, the Lord is everlasting strength to live this Christian life. So for that peace, he gave us a signal in Colossians 3.15. Let's read it together. Colossians 3.15, ready, go. Let the peace of Christ the inner calm of one who walks daily with him. Be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always. So you see, he already gave us his that day he entered into your life, he came with that peace. He said, let that peace be the controlling factor. So the moment something begins to scratch you here, it's important you pause and check and be sure you're still following your master. We are called to walk as he walks. First John 2 verse 6 says, Whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior, does what? I want to be sure you're following me. Let's read it now. Ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself just as he walked and conducted himself. 
if you said you have met him, the Lord, he says, you ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct yourself just as he walked. And remember, it's not in your own strength. His strength is always there. Some people might say that everybody is doing it this way. This is what is, I mean, I am not different. Your name is not everybody. You are called to a life set apart. God might have been talking to those different people you might be looking at. They could be believers, but they are not yielding. But you yourself, remember, you are called to a life set apart. God is your father. He's the alpha and the omega of your life. He knows the beginning, every middle of the way of your life and the end of your life. So the best you can do is just simply yield to his promptings, to his leadings, to his guidance, to his word. I remember that I was telling a story about Auburn House last Sunday. How very many parents now began to want to send, bring their daughters to Auburn House simply because those children began, we began to follow the word of God. There was nothing else we followed than other than the word of God. And when the Lord brought us to this country, gave us, you know, paper to come to this country, you know, we finally came. And then uh, the last time I traveled to Nigeria, one of my colleagues there was telling me, Dorothy, you see, you became a talk of the town. People were saying, wow, it's good to follow Jesus. So. Wow, it's good, it's good to serve him, you know, faithfully. It's good to serve him unreservedly because of the way we came, because we were not planning, and it just happened. It was just simply the finger of God because the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. He owns your life. He knows what he has planned for your life. But your job is just to simply follow. Amen? Sometimes I wondered in my heart how long it took God to get to Mary and to get to Joseph. Mary that carried Jesus and Joseph that was a willing man that was not prepared to expose the wife. God is still looking for people that he could use to make an impact in our generation. So, he has given us what it takes, but it's our God-given responsibility to allow ourselves in the hands of God for him to mold us so that we'll be usable in his hands. I keep telling him every day, Daddy, make me usable. Whatever you want to do, do. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter how I feel. All that matters to me is whatever heaven wants to do through this life, I'm all yours. I'm your bond woman. You just simply yield to him. The character of Christ is brought afore through fellowshipping, meditating on the word of God, and yielding to the word of God. And that's what he wants us to do because the Father has destined beforehand that everyone that will ever believe in his son Jesus will be molded to be conformed into the image of his son completely in everything. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It said, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. 
Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. You must know it for yourself once you've met Jesus the Lord over your life that you are now a child of God. And he said, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be because maybe you might be looking at your temporary situation. That's not the end. That's not the end of you. God is still walking. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And he then said in verse 3, verse 3, let's read it together, ready, go. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone that has his, this hope purifies himself. You purify yourself. The word, the word of God is the water of the world that purifies you. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. We are his brethren. God predestined that as many as will ever believe in his son, Jesus Christ, he, God, by his word, will keep working on them so that they will be fully conformed to the image of Jesus, manifesting the completeness of his character and his conduct and his power and his glory on the outside. That's the will, that's the desire of the Father. The Bible said that uh, everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. But it's, the thing is for us to now submit ourselves to the word of God so that we'll be perfectly trained. So that means uh, we have to be actively engaged. It's important that you make sure that you're indeed married to Jesus, not still dating him, that you are really, really his own. And your spirit will be a witness. You, you, are, you are not giving him mental accent. Because if you really believe, it will reflect in your life. Your desire will certainly change. You will be longing to hear. You will want to know more about him. You will do whatever you can to get to know him. Who is now your life? Somebody was asking me, I think it was last Sunday, you said John the Baptist, uh, that those that are born again, non, uh, that, uh, that they are greater than John the Baptist. I say yes. John the Baptist is greater than the apostles of old because he was the one who introduced Jesus. This is the Lamb of God. The others, God will come on them and do something and live. But he get to see Jesus in the flesh and now he said this is the Lamb of God. But we are the sons of God. His spirit now lives in us. And it's not about to check out 24-7. He's in you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said that the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. When the Bible said in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's absolutely true. 
But a lot of times we gloss over this. This word became so, so very vivid to me when I had that challenge with the, I don't know what to call it because I didn't even check out, that was here under my breast from, from uh, I think, um, almost two years. And I got my healing on, the, on I think, uh, 30th of September 2022. There was nothing that the devil was not telling me here, but I said to him, the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead, he lives in me. And that spirit is supplying life. Life is being supplied. In fact, a lot of times I would say, boom, 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 is, is going. Life is, and restoration is taking place. Damaged cells are being restored back to normal. Whatever is not good is being flushed out. Boom, boom. I say, look, this body already died 2,000 years ago. This person you're looking at, this is Jesus, so, and he's indestructible. He has an unshakable life, and that's the life I'm sharing with him. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I chose to reign with Christ because he lives in me. I refuse the lies from the pit of hell. He said, are you sure this thing is not going to any other part? I said, no, 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 no. I said, the people that build houses, they make sewages for whatever needs to be flushed out to be flushed. I say, how about the originator of my life, the one who manufactured me? The seaway system he made in my body is classical. He knows how to flush out what needs to be flushed out. So you are not telling him what to do. I zipped the devil's lips. We reign with Christ because we are children of God. Amen? That's why God wants us to have accurate knowledge of him, Jesus. And he gave us people in the church to help us. He gave us teachers. He gave us pastors. He gave us prophets, evangelists, and so on. For the equipping of the saints. For equipping us that are born again. And this is going to go on, as verse 13 of Ephesians 4 said, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Till we all come, this teaching is going to continue. That's why church is not stopping. God wants us to manifest the, the spiritual completeness of the spirit that is in us. So they keep supplying by teaching as the Spirit of God lives. It's important as a child of God, you don't assume, do not assume that God will take care of you just because you get born again. God will take care of you as, your, as his child. It, but you have to, on purpose, choose to submit yourself under his care by yielding to his word. It's not going to do it when you keep removing yourself from him. You're not listening to his word. The Bible said, you know, um, Jesus said uh, about to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself. This God lose sight of and forget himself and his own interest. And take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying also. You just have to choose to conform by following the word. 
I remember years back when my, my family and I, we were struggling. The moment we switched to the word of God, God born again and began to follow the word. Things began to change. And I remember some, some time ago, my, our beloved son, Onyeka, was also sharing how he too was struggling. But the moment he began to follow the word of God, things began to mend, and he became happier. There is nothing, no situation, no life that this world cannot radically transform. None, none, none. When you are not feeding right spiritually <clears throat> and you are not exercising your faith, you feel weak, you feel grumpy spiritually. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's not that that knowledge is not made available because it is as we come to church and we all have the Bible and thank God we also even have it in our phones. But he said, because you have rejected knowledge. In other words, you are not giving attention to the word. You're not spending time with the word. You are not meditating on the word. That was what he was telling them. You are not doing the word. He said, I also will reject you from being priests for me. We are priests and kings to our God if you are born again. So rejection here means that things will not work out the way that you would desire them to work out. But that's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God for you. He said, because you have forgotten the law of your God, that is, put the word of God aside and then get busy with every other thing. You know, the only way God works in your life is through his word. So when you set that word aside, how do you expect him to help you? Just like, you know, in the, spiritual, in the physical realm, if you don't get enough sleep, you don't eat right, no exercise, you're going to feel weak and grumpy too. It's going to happen, you know? It's going to affect your health. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is within you? Whom you have received as a gift from God. And that you are not your own. It's important you ingrain this into your ears. Into your heart. You are not your own. That's what it means. I make Jesus my Lord. Whatever your Lord says. I don't know anybody who goes to work. Because you know they are going to pay you. And they tell you to do something. You say, I'm not going to do this. No. You do it because you have to get your check pay. Uh, your, your paycheck at the end. But God is the manufacturer of your life. He's the owner of your life. He's the one who keeps you. One breath takes you off this world. But he's faithfully keeping and sustaining you. He said in verse 20, you were bought with a price. He paid with his own blood. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and met his own. So then, so then, honor and glorify God with your body. Take good care of this body. Give it what it takes. Sleep, rest. Don't stress yourself unnecessarily. If this body packs up, the spirit leaves. You are of no use any longer here. So, it doesn't matter the talent or the giftings that you have. If this body packs up, that's it for you. You are who you follow. 
Deuteronomy told us uh, in 30 verse 19, he said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Of course, this is absolutely true. The word of God keeps revealing this to us. He said, therefore, in case you are confused, choose life. Let's choose my ways that both you and your descendants may live. I wonder why people still choose causes. People choose things that will just mess up their lives. In spite of all that is being shared, some people still with their koro koro eyes open. They still choose things that will mess up their lives. It grieves God, but God is bound by his words. 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and strength, for he is your life and the length of your days. He is your life and the length of your days. Amen. So, Jesus the head gives the direction, and we follow, because God has met him, the spiritual head, over the body, the church. So you don't have to act as if your time, your life, your body belongs to you. Wherever he lives, you just simply follow. If you don't follow, you're going to get stuck. He's not going to leave you, but you're not going to lead him because he has to lead you. So that's why it's important you know, you understand that there's a war all the time going over your heart. And he warned us in Proverbs 4.23 to guard our hearts with all diligence. Say, keep it with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Every matter about your life originates from here. So you must know this and guard your heart. What you hear, what you see, what you read, they all affect you. And they all turn out to be who you end up being. These things are said repeatedly because... As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But the thing is, it's now up to you. But one thing God is not going to do is to force you. He's not going to force you. We know that evil corrup corruption, evil communication corrupts good manners, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And that's why he told us, don't copy the behavior of this world. They are going to corrupt you. The target is here. Allow God to change the, world, the way you think. We are called to do away with everything that forms themselves as idol and demands our worship. First John chapter 5, 21. First John 5, 21. Little children, let's read it together. Ready, go. Little children, keep yourselves from idols, false gods, from anything and everything that will occupy the place in your heart due to God from any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. Amen. So let it be. One will say, I'm not serving idol. I'm not worshiping idol. Those things that you give your legitimate time to, and they occupy you, they pull for your time. Away from the, the precious time you can spend with the world, God is not saying you shouldn't have time to relax, but when those things become something that really rules and dominates you and hinders your intimate fellowship with the Lord, our father is a jealous father. He loves us so intensely and he doesn't want anything to come between us and him. It's important that 
we do not love the world or the things that are in the world. The Bible said the love of the Father is not in him who loves the world. He didn't say the love for the Father. He, you love the Father. But he said the love of the, You don't understand how deeply your love and what God has planned for you. Because if you do, you will jettison the things about this world and make sure they don't come between you and your fellowship with the Father. He said in verse 17 of First John 2, and the, this world is passing away and the loss of it. But he who does the will of God abides how long? Forever. You know, today, you know, at my job, you're only allowed to wear jeans on Fridays. And even that jeans, it must not be torn. If it's torn, they will send you back home to go and change it. They said you have to dress decently and properly to come to work to attend to your customers. Today, and at one, one time we went to Hawaii, and we went to Mercy's, and I saw all these uh, torn jeans. If you see how much they sell them for, it's so expensive. Is that not the devil mocking the world? So very, ex I thought it was just cheap, but it was very exorbitant prices. At my job, I look at all these uh, police officers, they trimmed hair, neatly dressed, though they might be wearing the same uniform every day. I guess maybe it's a discipline that is attached to their job. And then, you know, I watch some of these uh, Muslims and Indians. They never allow any influence of this society to get into them they keep to themselves. I watched some brides, the day that they are supposed to be to wed, they are almost naked, exposing everything that is supposed to be for the enjoyment of their husband. And yet, they are children of God. When you go to see the president, for instance, the president of America, you don't dress anyhow. You can't dress in a tattered clothes. I watch salespeople, they're always in suits. At least the best I saw them when I was in Nigeria. God is interested in our hearts, not in our outward dressing. But God still demands that as his children, we should know that we are carriers of God. He wants us to be decently dressed. He wants us to represent him. Even in the Old Testament, the priest's garments are specially made. You must always remember that you're priests and kings to our God. You don't just dress anyhow. God is interested in, you know, a heart that is so yielded to him. But at the same time, know that you're a carrier of God. And so, the people of the world don't see the inside. They only see the outside. So that's why he said, you know, you know God, for God, he said in First uh, Peter 3, 3 and 4, he said, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God is interested in our heart. He sees our heart. But at the same time, he wants us to remember we are called for a life that is set apart so that we can model this light inside 
this treasure in earthen vessel to the world that is full of darkness. He gave us his precious promises to help us to be able to continue to be partakers of the divine nature, avoiding the corruption that is in the world. And he told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, let's read it together. Ready, go. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has lies with darkness? Let's look at verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then he now said in verse 17, Therefore, based on these things I said, because you are my temple, the unbelievers are idols. He said, therefore, Come out from among them and be what? Separate. That's called for a holy life. Says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Let's say amen to that. Amen. So we are to set our minds and keep it set on the things above where we belong by setting our mind on the word of God. If God says it, just simply agree and follow. We have the word of God as the boundary to follow. Let's look at Psalm 119, 105, 106. Psalm 119, let's read it together. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a lamp to my path. I have sworn an oath and have confirmed it that I will keep your righteous ordinances, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. Let's say amen to that. Amen. This is David's decision. It's a decision you have to make for yourself. As far as I'm concerned, I will keep your righteous ordinances, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. Let the word of God be what directs the lifestyle of your life. So you make living according to the word of God your lifestyle. And of course, to the extent to which you allow the word of God to direct your daily walk, is to the extent to which your mind is renewed by the word of God. And that is what would direct your behavior. Your behavior becomes Christ-like. It calls for discipline. It calls for commitment and consistency. It calls for cooperation as you hear the word of God. Jeremiah said in 23:29, "It's not my word like a fire," says the Lord, "and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Whatever stubborn area the word of God is able to penetrate, because His word is quick and powerful, and will penetrate to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow." The Bible says that all we need is the Scripture, because it has been is God breathed and it has been given to us to correct us, 
to help us to move in the right direction. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17 says, he said, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient. In other words, competent or skillful in doing or using something. Well fitted and thoroughly equipped. That's what the word of God does for a child of God. Make, saturate your life with the word of God by making your life so impenetrable to the devil. He can't penetrate because you have saturated yourself. That's why he said, let the word of God dwell richly in you and live soberly in this life. Constantly yielding to the authorities of the word of God. If the word of God ever said it, that settles it for me. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care what you think. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 says, Galatians chapter 6, chapter 6 verse 8 says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay. I don't want that. And death from that sinful nature. You, 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 you keep on feeding yourself with things that feed your flesh instead of things that feed your spirit. He says, you will harvest decay, yet you are a child of God. He said, but those who live to please the spirit will do what? Will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. Amen? It's important you, you really think of the things that really matter in this life. Things that are essential for your life. And what are those things? Proverbs 6, 14, Proverbs 14, 26 says, in the reverent fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And his children will always have a place of what? Refuge. A place of refuge. I looked at the meaning of refuge. Say, a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, sheltered from danger, sheltered from trouble. That's where I want to be. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have an understanding, which must be harnessed with beet or bridle, else they will not come near you. Don't be like a horse. You, need, you have to really force them before they can do it. God does not force any of his children. That's Psalm 32 verse 9. Do not be like a horse. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 says... So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's pray in the Holy Spirit a lot. And listen inside to know what God is telling you to do. And constantly thank God. Live a life of full of gratitude to God at all times. So we are to live carefully in this life. So to live carefully means don't live like, say don't live like fools. Like those who are unwise. And I checked out the meaning for fool. It's a person who acts unwisely or imprudently. And then imprudently means not showing care for the consequences of his, his or her action. It's just rash. And then I checked out the word rash. It said displaying or proceeding from a lack of careful consideration 
of the possible consequences of an action. Don't live like that. That's why we are called to live a sober life. He told us in Romans 6, 14, he said, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Any part of your body means any part of your body. You know, Job said that I've made a covenant with my eyes so that I won't sin against God. What do you expose this eye gate to? Because it affects here. Give yourselves completely to God, for you we are dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body, your whole, not part of it, use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. The more you are aware of the fact that you're, living, you're wearing white, I had wanted to wear white today, but something hooked it, I couldn't get it off. The more you are aware you're wearing white, the more you are conscious of where you sit. You don't just allow anything to touch you because you know that that thing will mess up your white. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 34 says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. You say, awake to righteousness. When the Bible says, awake to righteousness, it's talking about people that are sleeping. It's not really that you're sleeping. But it means that the more you realize that you are indeed righteous in Christ, apart from your works, the more you will be empowered to live this righteous life. The more you are aware of the fact that you have been made righteous by God, not by your works. The more you live in the consciousness of that, the more you are empowered to live for him. And don't say, I am young, I have to enjoy my life. Like they told me years back, ah, Dorothy, you're wasting your youth. Is it when you're married that you're not gonna enjoy your youth? Don't buy that stuff from the pit of hell. Deuteronomy 32, six says, do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise person? Is he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? That's a question you have to answer for yourself. So if you're struggling in any area by way of habit, the power to overcome is in knowing that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There was a divine exchange that took place. He took your place of sin and gave you his place of righteousness. He came down and brought us to where we, he is. We are seated together with him in the heavenly places. And this is not an excuse for you now to live in sin because Titus 2.11 says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And that grace is in you. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly laws, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And verse 14 says, who gave himself for us? That grace gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That was why he came. So, and he says, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Because this is what God wants. We must understand why Jesus came. That's why we have, choose, we have to choose to be doers of the word and not hearers only. He said that hearers are just deceiving themselves. It is in doing that 
we are blessed. He gave us the different examples. There are so many examples in the scriptures. When he says you should love, when he says, you know, you should talk people, to people gently, when he says in a, like Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not vex or sadden him because he's the one keeping you and he's the one keeping your brother, keeping your sister. And he said to us, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, and all, so on and so forth. Say, let those things be banished. Be what? Banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. And verse 32, verse 32 says, and become useful and helpful. Let's read it together. And become useful and helpful and kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. He's the one that supplies the inner stand. God will never tell you to do what you cannot do. You can't hold grudges against anybody without it affecting you. And God knows this. I remember one movie, one video I watched. Some doctors were being interviewed and they saw that a lot of things happen to people, especially these uh, lungs like cancer and all that. It's, a lot of them is based on maybe some negative emotions very negative emotions and you know you know resentment and bitterness and hatred is part of such we must do away with every weed that chokes the word of god in our lives because the spirit is it is the what quickens your life and the word of god is that spirit make sure you remain planted in the house of the lord for your nourishment i remember the the other time when we were doing a family month, uh, Dr. Mwobu was sharing with us that the statistics have shown that those who fellowship regularly, they, I think they live longer, I think, yes. I've listened to that two different times. And then he too now confirmed this. So three different times now I have heard that, which is right. Roma, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Psalm 92, 12 to 15. Let's read that together. Ready, go. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Remain planted in the house of the Lord. Don't allow anybody to talk you out of it. Don't allow complacency hinder you from always bringing yourself. It's not just enough to watch online. You know, not coming, giggling together, greeting each other and hearing together it, and worshiping together. It does something. My beloved you know, brother was singing this morning. He said, the presence of God is here. And truly, it was here. I had one statistics last week. He said 87% that doctors have found that 87% of what is happening to people is a chemical imbalance. And they began to associate it with stress, you know, anger, all manner of things. He said 87%. He said then 13% is as a result of 
malnutrition. I say, wow. But the word of God punctures all these things. God assured us in Isaiah 46 verse 4. Let's read it together. He says, even to old age, to your old age, I am he. And even to her wise with age, will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Yes, I will carry and will save you. That's the word of your father to you. But you have to remain planted in him by fellowshipping with the word. Keep company of like people. The people that have the same spirit with you, keep company with them. Hebrew 10.25 says, let's read it together. Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Say, not forsaking, because the Father knows that there are woes out there, and one wrong doctrine can ruin your life. So you must make yourselves available. That's why in this church, I thank God, we have so many fellowship. We have Sunday service, we have Bible study, family forum, men, women's meeting, young adults, believers meeting, children. You can also listen online, you know. You can listen online. I thank God for one young adult that came to me one day and said, I trust God to help me to marry from this church. I want to marry somebody who is hearing similar things that I'm hearing, so that at least we'll all be on the same page because of the strong word of God that is going on through this pulpit. I said, God will grant this person the hard desire. God knows your heart, and God wants you to be actively engaged, even when you show up in the church. It's not just enough for you to come, but be sure you are actively engaged, listening. The Bible said in Ephesians 6.10, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him, and in the power his boundless might provides. Be strong in the Lord. You have to keep on fellowshipping to keep being strong. This thing is not just one day. It's from one level of glory to another level of glory. Say, put on the full armor of God. His for his precepts, that is talking about his word, are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully Stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural forces, places. So therefore, put on. So it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility. We have to make sure we keep on putting on. As you're feeding on the word afresh each day, you're putting on. Is able to help you to stand. Is able to help you to stand. Amen? And I encourage our young people, I, look, I watch young people today, how they insult their parents. I know the Bible said that... Uh, if you insult your father or mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. That's Proverbs 20:20. But I thank God for the children of the kingdom. They are different. Because Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the law that, that is accept 
their guidance and discipline as his representatives, for this is right, for obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor, esteem, value as precious your father and your mother, and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may have a long life on the earth. I am grateful to God for the caliber of children that we have in this church and for the truth that they are being exposed to. The young adults, God bless you, no be small. To God be, and thank you, Pastor Victor and Pastor Kemi, for what you're doing in the lives of our young adults and also the ministers. I will read just two more scriptures and then we will close. We have to be excellent in whatever we are doing. Colossians 3, 23, 24 says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance which is your greatest reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you actually serve, whether at your work, at home, Anywhere you find yourself, be at your best, for it is the Lord Jesus Christ that you're serving, and he's a faithful rewarder. There is tremendous reward in honoring God's word. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 and 13. Let's read it together. Behold, I, Jesus, am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to each one according to the merit of his deeds, earthly works, faithfulness. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the eternal one. Amen. Shall we rise up to pray? Let's rise. I want you to say after me and put your, your hand on your chest and say this, declare this as your prayer and a declaration over your life. I am a child of God. I give attention to the word of my Father God. I incline my ears to all his sayings. I do not let them depart from my eyes. I keep them in the midst of my heart. I choose to find them by digging deep and doing all that it takes to find them. They are life to me. They are health to all my flesh. I choose to keep my heart with all diligence. For all the issues of my life originate from there. All my ways will be established in line with the word of my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we give you praise and we thank you for your faithful and your well-able. You remain our helper, not in our own strength, but the strength that you supply. We thank you, faithful Father, for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen.